0: The Prestige, all about films, filmmaking, and film theory. Each week, we pick a movie, review it, talk about it, and discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And as always, in there are recommendations for further reading inspired by the film of the week. But before we kick off and
1: launching episode fifty, how have we got this far? Um, I I honestly don't know. (laughs) Um, Honestly, not sure. No idea. Quick catch-up on what else we've been watching.
0: Um, Rob, you start. What was? Well, the, the two films that I've seen in in the interim since our last podcast that are worth noting are Captain America: Civil War and X Men: Apocalypse or Age Apocalypse, Rise Apocalypse, whatever the, the apocalypse was right. called. The latest yeah. X Men film. Uh, and having much earlier in the year discussed Batman vs Superman. Um, these are these are basically the only three films I've seen in cinema this year um, just, just because my wife's pregnant we don't always get out anymore so those are the three films I've seen all of them team up films all of them superhero mm. films and they are better than Batman Superman, Superman I'll give you that um, but Civil War was very good I thought X-Men I thought wasn't quite as good as a civil war but was certainly better than Batman vs Superman but admittedly that isn't a hard bar to clear but I really did enjoy it All right, you Sam
1: um, recently, I've seen uh, Florence Foss Jenkins, very good. Um, I wasn't really expecting okay. it to be good, but then it was. I mean, it doesn't sound particularly exciting, story if you know about it. Um, but Meryl Streep was awesome, as Meryl Streep always is. I never use the word awesome, but I think Meryl Streep probably merits it. Um, and Simon Halberg was very good, and Hugh Grant was surprisingly good, uh, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um,
0: well, you say that he's very good in Love, actually.
1: Yes, yeah, um, and actually, I'm being unfair to him. He was—I mean, he—he he was good in Notting Hill. So, but he—he he is good at playing a certain character, and it was nice to see him as as something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was—I mean, I've seen. I've seen Civil War as well, um, but then, then you talked about that, that's fine. Um, mostly at the moment I, I don't even get to cinema as much as Rob, and uh, I've been starting on a new series on Netflix, um, it's a new TV series I've been enjoying, it's Narcos, it's about um, narco-terrorism in 80s Colombia. so that's... That's what I've been watching lots of recently. It's very
0: good. Brilliant. On the TV note, we have finished out season 11 of Supernatural this week. Um, Which, it's 11 seasons in, you know, like it, its glory days are well behind it as a show, shall we say? Mm. Um, it's very hard to maintain quality of 11, 11 series, but it has got better in the last maybe three series. But at this point with the show, I've, my wife often said, like, I've watched 11 series of this show, and this is an American series, so they are no hour-long episodes. There are twenty-three a season. Mm. I'm I'm with this show to the end. I have to be you, at this point, I can't walk away from a show after eleven seasons.
1: That's just about ten solid days of your life you've spent watching yes. two.
0: Yeah, and 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 <laughs> and the thing is, I've watched almost all because I, I I was watching the show to start with. Got to season eleven. It's season seven. And I'm like Sarah. You really need to watch it. It's right up your street. And she agreed, and so we started at one again. Yeah. So I've seen seen seasons one to seven, yeah. one to seven, eight to eleven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of that show. Uh, but it has hadn't seen had the finale, so that was very good. No. But as this is our fiftieth episode, we're also bringing in this little section of what we watched recently. But we are changing up the format, aren't we, Sam? Are we? Have we talked about this? We have. I think we touched on it briefly last last episode, but I think it's time for you, as as it was your pitch to me. I think it's best if you if you take the lead in explain what we're doing from now on, or at least for the for the foreseeable future. Yes, um, for the
1: next while, we'll be looking at uh, films and sequels, series of films. shall I franchise. Franchise. That's the word. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, we'll be looking at a couple of franchises. Um, one that started in the eighties, uh kept going whether advisedly or not, uh till quite recently. Um and then we'll be uh looking at one of my favourite franchises, um in in well in, in a month or so's time, but the first franchise that we're looking at, and it's not really a franchise, although it was it was made into a franchise with the inclusion of a sequel, um, starts off with one of Rob's favourite ever films, and as a fiftieth episode present to Rob, we are we are going to do his his one of, one of his
0: top two favourite films. This is my favourite film of all time. It is. That I have no cons. No it has been a great film since I saw it when I was a teenager and it has remained there untouched for years and that is the 1980 film The Blues Brothers
1: You'd better get bright pal we've got a show to do then we've
0: got to figure out some way to collect that gate money get it to the Cook County Assessor's Office as soon as they open in the morning
1: Joliet, Jake and Elwood Blues
0: Two men with a mission. And only 11 days.
1: And don't come back
0: until you've redeemed yourselves. The Blues Brothers tells the story of two brothers, the Blues Brothers themselves. uh, Elwood and Jake, or Juliet Jake. Both ex-cons, both orphans both musicians, song and dance men you'd call them, and their mission from God to raise $5,000 to save the orphanage in which they grew up. And they do this by putting on a, a road trip of sorts with their old band, the Blues Brothers Review Band, trying to raise money for the orphanage, basically. It is peppered with songs that you'd expect to see from the Blues Brothers and peppered with cameos from the likes of um, Aretha Franklin, Cab Calloway, um, Ray Charles, that kind of thing. And that's probably all I'll bring in as, as the uh, the synopsis at the start. Now, I ask this question kind of knowing Sam's answer, because uh, whilst it makes out that it's one of my favourite films, I don't yeah, think it's far yeah. off being uh, one of Sam's favourite films as well, or at least one that he certainly enjoys. In, yeah. But your thoughts, Sam? <laughs>
1: It's cer- certainly in my top ten films. I I was I was watching this. thing. I mean I I was saying out loud, I love this film. This film is amazing, um, which made me seem like a bit of an insane person. Um, yeah, I, there are so many things to love about this, film. and I'm. Um, I was one of the questions that came to me sort of halfway through was, I mean. I am not a fan of the there there is a there is a genre of jukebox musicals um and it's something that I suppose with mamma mia recently fairly recently um you take the the songs of an artist or the songs of an era and you make a you make a make a film out of that of jersey boys with the, with a musical for example um on stage i yeah I've, I've never been a fan of things like that um but i love this film and i don't and i was trying to work out why like why do i love this film so much more than a standard jukebox musical mm-hmm. um as yeah that's my question to you to start off with
0: well i mean for me i my my love for this film i've i've literally written essays on this film whilst <laughs> i was doing my film degree so <laughs> I've explored it in depth, but the thing that I could come back to is, A, the music. Mm. The music. We kind of count this week in the idea of pop culture musicals, shall we say. Mm. But the music of this film is not the music of this era. No. So they managed basically going, to go, well, we are bluesmen, uh, rhythm and blues. Um, and so they can pick the, you know, the 15 best rhythm and blues songs. So you've got these classic songs Rather than going well what's popular now What are the songs of now And making a musical of it in, So that the, the film doesn't retain its timeless nature We've discussed this in the past Of being retro films of a different era Maintain a timeless nature In a way that a very pop culture film may not So for that I think there's music I think that the two leads Dan Aykroyd and Belushi Are both very charismatic proved by their other films and i just think it's a lot of fun as a film it has oh it it has no real darkness it has some sort of moments of more somber nature but it has no darkness in it really it is just sort of end-to-end fun
1: Mm.
0: and whilst i think that the characters in it play it very straight the film itself has a lot of fun with different things. There is no mugging to the camera. There's no nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We all know this is silly kind of thing. The actors and the characters play it very much straight, but that straightness of their of their acting balanced against the inherent silliness of some of the action, especially the action. But the the the, the narrative, I think, keeps it funny and fresh. Mm-hmm. Now I will add a caveat here that I did watch the extended version in preparation for this show, this podcast, not the theatrical version, which is the often more released one.
1: Right. So I
0: there are slightly extra extra scenes in the extended extended version.
1: I see. I'm not entirely sure what the extra scenes are or which version I've seen.
0: Did you see um, Elwood's job? Which he went to quit before he left. Yes, cake. yes. Then that, that, that would be so. He, he works in a, like a bottling factory. Yeah, that's the extended version. Oh right, fine, okay,
1: good. Um, yeah. That that was something I want, wanted to bring up, as well as the music being amazing. Is the extent to which this is quite a subversive film, and. That version doesn't exist in the characters, like you said the the actors are playing it straight, and the characters are the the actors remain in character the characters are it, they they're consistent throughout, but you mm. have certain things that undercut expectations like you have like the the is, there's a a famous car chase right at the end where it, like you said actors play it straight, but the the, the action goes over the top um so they, they they take sort of the conventions of a car chase and they dial it up intentionally dial it up to Eleventy stupid and with the yes. with the uh the military swarming towards the end of the film and that that is deliberately done so that it's over the top and then and also well when when you have Elwood and Jake their first big intro you see the uh, Palace Hotel uh, concert, their intro to that. You think the audience are going to love it. And there's there's this point where they pause and they, they I mean Belushi pauses on a knee slide and they 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 look at the audience expecting me and you could hear a pin drop. Because the audience yeah. are like, Well, we're from Chicago. Like come on, entertain us. What are you doing? And there are lovely things like that where you think the action's going one way and actually there's something quite subversive about about what the film is doing.
0: Yeah, I think that the film... This is kind of what I wanted to, to broach into the large topic of, as I put it, pop culture musicals. But this film, whilst the music is not contemporary, as a film, it is very pop culture shall we say, in that the you've got the, these cameos of Singers So Ruth Franklin um, Ray Charles Cab Calloway James Brown That kind of thing But you've also got Carrie Fisher
1: mm.
0: Playing Jake's ex-wife You've got um, Frank Oz Playing You've got Steven Spielberg Had a cameo in this film
1: Really? Yeah. You've got Ben. I, di- I didn't notice Steven Spielberg
0: Steven Spielberg plays The uh, Cork County clerk At the end Who takes the money Oh right you know, you've got John Candy playing uh, a particular like, these, these are faces, these are names. It isn't like... You're always, you're always aware you're looking at John Candy or Twiggy or um, Carrie Fisher. Mm. There, there is, this film exists in a pop culture world. And given that both the um, characters of the Bluebirds were started on SNL and then brought out into a film by Belushi and Aykroyd, I, this film somehow sort of lives in this world where you know it's a film and the film doesn't do anything to hide its filmic nature. So there's a scene at the end when the, the people are late for their concerts and Cab Calloway's like hit it and they sort of spins around. Suddenly, they've all changed into white tuxes. They're all you know sitting behind like old, old school sort of band signs. Mm. And he sings me to mixture. You've got all the crashes. The film is very much never makes intent to kind of go, this is reality.
1: Yeah. If you see what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it it kind of happily forgoes reality for the sake of story and edifice and action. But I think that's to its credit.
1: At at that point, like, Rob Rob looked to me for a contribution and I was just lost in one of my favourite film lines of all time, which is... um, it's, it's something like, Jake, I've got to, got, to, got to turn off here or I've got to go off the road or something. I've got to pull over. i got to pull over. It's brilliant. Anyway, I, I was lost, lost in the genius of that.
0: But, well, I mean, think that, 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 that's another, um, without this wanting to turn into complete kind of sycophantic, how brilliant this film is, that is another one of the strengths of the film is that it is cultish with its, its language. There are so many great lines in this that you can quote again, you know, it's 106 miles to Chicago, you know. Oh, thanks, yeah. Chicago. A great oh, thanks, line, yeah. you know. Oh, no, I know. I hate Illinois Nazis. Like no. it's it's brilliant, quotable dialogue. Um, so I think it's, isn't it is there, but I do think there's something about this film where it isn't quite a film in its sense. Hmm. You know, like, and, and and that's something I think that a lot of these pop culture musicals share, which is a a wilful disregard for the reality of the film in favour of you no know, aesthetic or in favour of whatever the film needs needs to portray a thing so it's kind of I'm trying to think of the word here I, I, I'm struggling to get it but it's kind of not surrealist because there is a narrative to it but it's happy to mix moments and images and references to get it in point
1: mm.
0: Russian montage I'm looking for sorry so, so the, the Russian montage idea of intercutting Between separate images to produce A third Separate idea or emotion Obviously a Russian thing from the, the sort of the Early of century films But here you can kind of You haven't got to relate one image to the next image You can just kind of If you're if you making any sense there, I
1: will totally take your word for this
0: because I, I lost it. <laughs> the, the theory of Russian montage um, is that you can intercut two images mm-hmm. to produce a third image. Right. So the, there's a, um, a, a Russian director from about 1912 called Eisenstein who's making films about the proletariat, the pe- peasants in mm. Russia. And there's a famous scene in which he intercuts people, I think people, people on the streets, and a map in which someone spills wine. At the time of a riot. Right. So you have the visual image of the wine spreading over this map of the town, these people rioting to obviously build towards the image of the death or, or, or the, the, the sort of the, the violent reaction, the death of these rioters, the death of these protesters. Mm-hmm. So it uses these two images that aren't related to produce a third emotion or idea. Right. So they aren't doing that exact thing, Blue Brothers, but they are happy to jump. And the, and the moment that is that Cad Cali moment when there is no reason why suddenly he can spin round and change into a white tux and he'll have all the band in there. I mean, there's no reason why the car can do the things it can do, but it does. Mm. There's no reason why they can blow up a building in which they're sleeping and everyone walks away, but they do. And they kind of they can use this. They, they can forgo real, realism, Forego... Like a, a narrative succession of actions, in favour of producing a third, or in this case, a second, overarching narrative of the forever cool Blues Brothers, or the song and dance is all it's about, all that kind of thing. Mm. So, I think that there is something in that. In other pocket pop musicals, um, which I am sure we'll touch on as we get into recommendations, mm. but there is something there in the 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 idea that the aesthetic or the emotion trumps. Any kind of realism
1: yeah i'm interested that something I was thinking about was um how very family friendly this film was, and I wonder mm-hmm. whether that was something that i mean this this sort of this montage they're going be moving towards the the end point of a Russian montage in this case is is everyone well, apart from? It, it's notable that the only people to die in the film are Nazis. Yes. So, kind of everyone always survives, and like you say, the building explodes and everyone walks away, or Jake and Elwood, like a gas tank blows up next to a phone box, and they get shot fifty feet in the air and they survive. So the, the they will they will always survive, and I wonder whether. I and mean, it, it might be, like you say, it might be sort of this continuation of the narrative of the blues. It might also be the film director making a, a conscious decision around how the film was pitched. He was like, well, this is a family film, so people aren't going to die in this film. There's not going to be bloodshed in this film.
0: Exactly. It, it, it is, I think that's, I say, kicking back to its sort of eternal charm and its t- internal sort of popularity is that like, you could it could definitely do this. You might have explained the odd bit here and there, but like, there's nothing in this film that a could, kid couldn't watch. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I, I offhand, I genuinely don't know what, what what rating it is, but it is, you know, it, it's it's a it's a fun film in that respect.
1: Mm. It's kind of the thing we've we've talked about this before that films can change as you grow up, and you can see different things in them. And this film doesn't change on rewatching And th- this is what I find and it might be tied to this i mean the it's okay for people of any any age to watch it but the the only thing that changes is kind of I spot more things on a missed last time, or like I know who like Johnny Hooker is for example, or I know yes. who Jack Calloway is so. Like my education changes slightly when I see it again. But the how how I interpret the film doesn't fundamentally change as it has done with, with other films that we've talked about.
0: I think this is I think it's a film that is eternally better. And I mean for, for the listeners, as Sam mentioned last last week, we did go and see it, didn't we? We s saw a stage show of it. Yes. Yeah. Um and it is a film that transfers very well to the stage. Um but the film but it, it isn't like something like hairspray I suppose where the film is the, the the show's a story as well the show was just the band playing really wasn't it mm. there wasn't any kind of narrative art to it in the same way yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that, that that's one of the strengths of films you can take what you like from it whether you love the music or if you love the character or the action it kind of endures and that's I mean that's why I do think in my experience it is probably the quintessential pop culture musical Mm. Um, and I think there are sort of Western musicals and that kind of thing and and a whole world of musicals out there but in this kind of as you you put it the jukebox musical I can't think of one that I think would trap that
1: no I think and and, and that sort of thing makes this this is the reason why I love this film I'm not a huge fan of jukebox musicals is is it so much better and I think well we talked about all the all the people involved, and you have um, well, the transition to Cab Calloway at one point, and you John Lee Hooker and Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles. Apart, from, I suppose, apart from Aretha, which is a bit, it seems a bit crowbodied The rest don't feel too forced, and this this may be what what I love about this film, but. It feels like the transitions are much easier than in a jukebox musical. I mean, mm. Aretha aside, when the move into Think is a bit, bit orchestrated, the other transitions don't feel too forced. I mean, John Lee Hooker busking on the street or Cab Calloway, it kind of, kind of feels a bit natural. I kind of enjoy well, that.
0: Th- this is the word we struggled over last time, which I think is didactic. Um, or no, or di- possibly. Digetic, but like yes. Diegetic. So the music, a lot of the sort of the the, the James Brown one is in a church. Um, there's Johnny evet. Hooker's on the um, street. Ray Charles, obviously, playing the music. To, you know, the, as you say, the lead in it starts there, and obviously goes off. You know, into a bit more um, sort of show from there. But it is kind of like it's very much like a they're putting on a show kind of musical. So much more of the old sort of classical Hollywood. Musicals where it's really behind the scenes of a show.
1: Mm.
0: There's a whole movement in sort of the classical Holly period when the musicals were the stage performances. Like you look at Marilyn Monroe Man- Man- films, the musicals are her performing musicals in the realism of that world. Mm. And yes, there's something they've got lots of lights and something got lots of um, uh, sort of things going on. But this is much closer to something like Singing in the Rain, which mixes those two, where the, the lead in is. Real, but then it goes off into surreality from there.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: But Sam, as always, we end it with what we what we recommend following it.
1: Well, I did have a few, and should I go for that one? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Um, It's something else just came to mind. I was thinking when you were just talking about musicals and talking about different attitudes to the Hollywood musical. I was thinking about White Christmas, which lots of people seem to know as a song, and Bing, Cros- well, Bing Crosby and-, and David Bowie or Bob Hope or whoever you know is singing that song, and it's a phenomenally successful song, but that is a very small part of the musical, which is, it is a film, a musical, about putting on a musical. Um, so there's something something there. It's kind of an awareness that you get with Blues Brothers later on, this idea of a film within a film, and the film acts as a sort of commentary on the musical that's being performed. So that's mm. an interesting one. Um, my other one I would go for is um, going back to this idea of self-aware humour. Um, and mentioned earlier, and talk about the car chases and uh, the the Blues Brothers intro at the the Paris Hotel Borum is uh, the comedy airplane. Fair enough. I mean, there's a lot in there. Great film. Lots of self-aware humor in, the, in there, and lots of um, well, like you said, it, it takes something something plausible, and then goes off with it and sees what what can be done with it as a as a comic concept. It's a really interesting film for that.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. My recommendations are very different to yours. Is good. good. So the recommendation is the nineteen eighty three film, Trading Places. Link here obviously being Dan Aykroyd. Um a Tale it's it's a Prince of the story, you know, a, a two callous millionaires bet that they can take a a homeless black man and make him a rich investor, and take a rich investor and make him a homeless person. Um, it is the 80s, so it's steeped in some sort of mild American racism. Right. So you've got to live with that a little bit, but it's Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy at their funniest. is kind of in that era of Dan Aykroyd being a funny comedian in movies, and I think it's brilliant, and I think everyone should watch it.
1: Good.
0: The second film is. Much more recent, it's two thousand and seven, and it is the film Across the Universe. Now, Across the Universe, I feel we've done a week on it, but I don't think we have. Is the tale of a a young boy from Liverpool goes to America? Essentially, it is a pop culture musical set to the music of the Beatles.
1: no, we haven't. haven't It
0: covers, you know, it covers Vietnam. It covers. Watergate, it covers all of that whole era. Um, It stars uh, Evan Rachel Wood, Jim Sturgis. It's got, what's his name, Um, Eddie Izzard in it um, as uh, somebody random. Um, It's got Bono in it for one bit. It is, I think it's very underrated. I think it's a beautiful, stunning film. It is weird, and I think it's about an hour too long. But I think that if you're looking for a more modern take on this kind of pop culture musical that isn't, you know, One Direction, this is a great one. Once again, they've done the trick of having having it set in a period that the music isn't from, or mm. it comes out in a period where the music isn't from. So you have a kind of a distance already. But this film, I, was, I saw it on a plane because I was sitting in my seat, I could see someone off the screen. And it looks so beautiful. I had to stop what I was watching and watch what they are watching. Yeah. Um, it is. It is a stunningly beautiful film, even if it does go on a little bit. But yeah, across the universe, set to the music of the Beatles.
1: Really? Right then. So, to, I mentioned earlier how we were moving on to a, a season of franchises. So, so next week is um, a film that I've never seen. I was kind of. I don't think I ever wanted to see it because I had premonitions of how bad it would be compared to the amazingness of the Blues Brothers it is the 1998 film Blues Brothers 2000
0: and it's a very different experience so we can talk about it next week till then you can find both of us on Twitter at Prestige Podcast
1: you can find just me at Life underscore Academic
0: or you can just find me at Rob Kaiju We'll see you next week. The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries.